Good morning, new community. Welcome. We are excited to have you join us as we continue in our series of practicing the presence. Today's call to worship comes from John 15, verses 1 through 11. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Join us for our call to worship. Draw near to God, and God will draw near to you. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and God will exalt you. O Lord, help us through our worship to draw closer to you. Help us to be humble and seek your way. Would you join me in a community confession? Eternal God, we confess that we live very individual lives. We want to follow our own paths in life. We want to make it on our own. We want to find our own happiness. We want to live by our own rules. Even in faith, we tend to think on individual terms. We talk about a personal relationship with you as if it was just about you and me. We are tempted to believe that faith is about what we do and what we receive on Sunday mornings alone. Yet you show us a different way. For in your word, you teach us ethics. You show us what it means to live in a community of faith. You call us to care for the poor and for those in need. You remind us again and again that a living faith includes faithful actions and deeds. Help us to live in this world in joyful obedience to you out of gratitude for all that you have done for us. In Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. We're so glad you're with us this morning, new community. We have just a few announcements to keep you up to date on what's new and what's ahead. Last week, we interviewed staff member Melanie Scott, so if you missed that, be sure to check out the podcast. This week, we interviewed Elder Greg Conley, just to get to know him a little bit better and to provide some info about ways that New Community is supporting the downtown core. You can find this on our podcast as well. Today's talk is the second week of our new series called Practicing the Presence. You can find the recording, all liturgy, and a curated worship playlist on the Sunday Gathering page each week. You can also find every recorded talk on our podcast via iTunes and SoundCloud. Don't forget the resources page for our group discussions. You can find a button for this on the Sunday Gathering page or visit new-community.com resources. We're grateful to be worshiping with you this morning. Welcome, new community, to our Sunday podcast this morning. We are glad that you are with us and glad that you're here. 
Um, before we jump into our second week of the Practicing His Presence um, series that we're in, we, uh, we wanted to take a minute, as Russ and I are here together today, to talk about some of the things that we have learned in the last six weeks of uh, this new reality that we're living in. So um, the question that we, that Russ and I have kind of been discussing and uh, thrown around is, where have you seen God or where have you uh, been challenged and, uh, and had to grow in unique ways or uh, ways that you have uh, been encouraged to see God in new ways? So uh, I'm going to pass that question directly to Russ and Russ can jump in. And then when he's done, I'll share a couple of things that I've learned and a couple of ways that I've seen God. Yeah, we've been wrestling with this idea of how are we experiencing the unique time we're in and are there things that God has brought to our attention that would be helpful for our continued growth? And first off, I would say one of the things that stood out to me is that this season of life has forced me to examine once again, what do I find to be most important in my life? I would say that often I try to communicate that there are certain values or expectations or hopes that I want to engage in. And I speak to the value of them and want to live them out on a day to day. But I'm noticing that I have used um, kind of life circumstances in the past to say that I value something, but not to have to actually live it out in the day to day. So, for example, I might say that I greatly value spending time with my kids and with my family or I want to um, stay active and healthy, but I will often use um, my schedule or expectations or commitments as an excuse for why I have not or am not able to do that at the level that I would like. But I've noticed that uh, this has really required me to ask again, do I truly value that? So if I say my greatest desire is to spend time with my kids and enjoy them, but then I never really fully engage with them during this time. I never go for bike rides. I never go on a hike. We never watch a movie together. I never help with the homework. Do I really value in principle that idea or do I just value it in word? And so it's forced me to say, am I living out love with action and not just words? So that's one uh, that I've been wrestling with. So jumping straight off of that, um, I, I think the thing that has become most apparent for me, um, has been the, uh, the fact that I have an incredible, incredible wife and, uh, and this set of weeks and, uh, and past month has really made this apparent to me. I am a fiercely independent person and like to be completely self-sufficient in a lot of ways, not necessarily needing others. Um, but to be at home and watch my wife do what she does, um, both in her job as she's a teacher and still continuing to, uh, serve the kids that she teaches. So it's been really fun to be able to watch her in her environment, which I've never really been able to see. But then she has taken over the lion's share of the homeschooling for our kids. And uh, to see how she has done that with grace, to see how she has done that with joy, has been really remarkable for me. And, uh, and has made it apparent that if she was not in the picture for some reason, and I was left home to homeschool my kids right now and do the things that I'm trying to do, it would be a total disaster around my house. Um, and so I have, I have become very aware of the need of my wife and, uh, the depth of care and love, uh, that my wife displays in her job. And I've been able to see that as she is now, uh, teaching our kids at home, which many of us are, uh, are currently and actively doing that. And it is not easy. It is an, an incredible challenge. Um, but for somebody that is really independent to be into a situation where you become very dependent on another person to help continue to manage the family and, and do the things that we need to do to, to be a healthy, vibrant family right now, uh, has been a really eye awakening, um, or, or eye-opening and awakening experience for me in a lot of ways. It's good. Um, I would say another one for me. I was on a uh, Zoom call with a bunch of local area pastors, 
And uh, we've been getting together once a week via Zoom just to pray for the city and uh, to pray for specific needs, uh, healthcare workers or for education and students and teachers who are uh, trying to teach in a new and com- uh, complicated fashion. Um, and as we've been praying for those, we were approaching Easter Sunday, and uh, there was a period of time where each of the pastors was kind of lamenting about this being a different Easter and Holy Week than they've ever experienced, or uh, just asking for prayer that uh, the gospel would still be able to go forth, or that people would still be able to hear the message of Jesus. And um, I remember it came around to me for my time to share, and uh, I just said to the group, Uh, that this has really been good, and I think and hope that it is good for the church at large, because it reminds us that God doesn't need me, and he doesn't need his church to get his work done. Um, Just speaking on kind of behalf of pastors, I think there are many religious people uh, that have um, kind of a job of being involved in the church, that carry a certain amount of self-importance about themselves. So they come off as if God needs them in order to accomplish his work. And that if we don't have services, who's going to hear the gospel, if we're not the ones communicating the message. Um, but I just have been reminded that God has been speaking to his people far before we ever began gathering in services. He doesn't need light shows and streaming sermons to get his message uh, of his glory across to his people. He doesn't need me to be a mouthpiece um, or as one who speaks um, because he speaks in so many unique ways. And so my prayer for the church during Easter season, but my prayer for us as we continue to be in the state of affairs that we're in, is that we will believe that God is a God that speaks in unique ways uh, that have nothing to do with the organized church and everything to do with the people of God who are the church. And that we as the church would wake up to the reality that we're just actually privileged to be a part of his work, that he gives us the dignity of being able to um, play a role in the stuff that he's doing and getting done. And so it was a good reminder for me, but I also, I hope, a good reminder for the church at large. Yeah. Yeah. God's providence in the midst of this has um, has been another way that uh, I've been really encouraged and have had to grow in my understanding. And a lot of that's come from personal interaction with individuals. So um, I'm not in as many downtown pastors' prayer meetings as Russ is. Uh, he takes the lion's share of those um, but I have had the privilege of walking alongside friends and acquaintances, um, as we all have. And in the midst of tragic loss, uh, loss of jobs, uh, sickness, there has been a resilience mm-hmm. in a lot of people, yeah. uh, a, a, a steadfastness to say, yes, I don't have an income right now. And I don't know when my income starts back up, but God is in control and I'm going to do what I need to do to uh, course adjust and I'm, I'm going to make changes, um, but I'm going to actively choose to look at this as a time to say, now I get time with my kid at home or um, this is a great opportunity for me to look toward what is the next five years of my life look like. And so there's this like real deep sense of hope uh, that I have seen in people. And that sometimes uh, is tough to see amidst the anxiousness and the frustration and the uncomfort that many of us have in this time. But when you distill it all out, there is this this real sense of hope and peace uh, for those who follow Christ that God is in control. Mm-hmm. And uh, none of us really saw this coming. And we have all had to change our lives accordingly. But um, what I have noticed is that uh, those people that are firmly, uh, firmly kind of have set their foundation on who Christ is in our life um, really have been able to uh, hold on to that hope that is critically important. It's good. Uh, I would just encourage all of us in the community to continue to ask God to speak to us during this time, uh, to continue to be thoughtful to reflect what is it that uh, you're learning in the midst of this experience because i think um to just remain stagnant and not continue to grow is not what god is calling us into so if we can continue to lean into 
uh, who it is he's inviting us to be. Uh, this is a good season for it. This was our small group actually did this practice uh, this last Wednesday as we uh, did a virtual small group on Zoom. And the question that we posed uh, to everybody before they checked in with how they're doing and what's going on and prayer request was, how are you seeing God right mm. now? Um, so as, as you reflect back, where has God been? And um, for some, it took a minute to actually like, Take that time. But then as you begin to hear people speak those things out, um, our mind kind of is open to uh, seeing the movement of the spirit in our lives. It was a really, really healthy and good practice for us. That's a perfect segue to what we talked about last week. We're like this... we planned it. Oh, man. Segues. Oh, man. Uh, we are in this new series, Practicing the Presence of God, and talked a little bit last week about this idea of drawing near to God. And part of drawing near to God is just an awareness of God. So as Kevin's group is discussing what it looks like or uh, where God is showing up, part of that is just asking the question, are you aware of God? And if you're aware of God and he is always active and moving, then you are going to see him um, reveal himself within uh, your life experiences and uh, within the people you're around. Uh, so part of this idea of drawing near uh, got us thinking about what does it really mean to draw near? And part of that idea of drawing near is really about abiding. Uh, you heard a little bit earlier in the liturgy, the reading on the Gospel of John chapter 15 about our call to abide and our call to be uh, branches that are part of a vine. Now, part of this idea of abiding is to be in Christ as Christ is the vine, that we are the branches, that it's impossible for us to bear fruit apart from the vine. It's also impossible for us to really be tethered or connected to God without a sense of us being attached to Christ. So if we want to practice the presence of God, one of the best ways to do that is to abide and really to ask a question, what does it look like for us to be connected to God? Uh, as branches. It's uh, what I love about this word picture. And I think many people have seen this passage as one of their, you know, favorite, most uh, encouraging passages in the scripture is that it, it really calls us to uh, kind of a life transformation. It's not just I'm connected at some points, but um, the, the, my very being and uh, its very essence comes from um the lifeblood of being connected to Christ. And so uh, it changes kind of this whole picture of, um, of what a relationship actually looks like, that it's not a come and go, but it's actually a, a deep connectedness. Uh, a quote that, uh, that we thought might be helpful here uh, from Boyd says this, branches don't visit a vine once in a while on special occasions. Rather, branches are permanently attached to their source of life. So too, followers of Jesus are to take up a permanent residence in Christ, remaining attached to him at all times as their source of their life. Now, that is a uh, wonderful quote, and it, uh, it kind of explains a little bit more about what it looks like. But that's a tough call. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, to to really take a step back and consider what it means um, to be permanently attached um, is, uh, I mean, that is a profound way to think about, uh, what is a follower of Christ's relationship actually, uh, look like with, uh, with God. Yeah. Boy, just contrasting this idea of, um, visiting on special occasions versus being permanently attached. Jesus, uh, uses the word abide and, uh, versions, different versions of the scriptures, communicate that a little bit different. But the problem with all of our versions is that they somehow fail to convey the full force of the idea. So if you were to look at the word abide in Greek, uh, the term really conveys more than any one English word would be able to capture. So if you look at the uh, 120 occurrences in the New Testament, it is rendered as abide 61 times, remain 16 times, dwell 15 times, continue 11 times, tarry nine times, endure three times, and then still used in another five different ways. Which got me thinking, 
if that's if that's how this word is being captured throughout the New Testament, what does that really then look like? So it's one thing to talk about being permanently attached, but how does that play out in real life? Which got us thinking a little bit about um, Paul in his writing in Philippians. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 9, it says, These things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. In many ways, you could define this as a simple equation. Now, the first part being whatever we've learned, received, heard, and seen. The second part of the equation being practice those things. And the third part being a promise. And the promise is that the God of peace will be with you. Now, when I was reading this particular passage, what stood out to me the most is that what Paul is not saying is that peace will be with you. Uh, remember, right before this section, he's saying, do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. So it would be simple for him to then say, so practice those things and you'll have peace. But he doesn't. He says, practice those things and the God of peace will be with you. Not peace will be with you, but that God will be with you. So that's really what this whole series is about, is how do we practice the presence of God? How are we aware of the fact that God is always with us? So I would maybe just pose for you a question, Kev. How do we as group leaders, how do we as um, community members at New Community really lean into this idea of God being with us? And being present with us. Uh, what are some ways that uh, even your small group talked about God uh, being kind of in their life and being aware of, of his presence with them? Yeah, I, I mean, I think um, resoundingly the um, the kind of consistent theme as we spoke together was uh, a, a slowing down, which we're all in this time of um almost mandated slowing down to right. a degree. Certainly some people are uh, healthcare workers and those are, are frantically working, but many of us have schedules that are much slower. Um, so that was one. So uh, kind of eliminating maybe some of the, uh, the franticness of our lives. Mm -hmm. Secondly, I think it was looking beyond ourselves. And uh, again, in that, like that transparent moment of self-reflection to look beyond all of the things that are right in front of us, uh, the uncomfort, the um, worry or anxiousness about uh, job or sickness uh, or whatever those things are that kind of take up mental space. It was the looking beyond those things mm -hmm. to say those are all current real time circumstances that I have zero control over right. at this point. Right. So if I can get beyond that, if I can look beyond those things and try to see uh, beyond uh, the things that take up that that mental space right away, then God's work and God's presence became very aware to people of how God had been a God of provision in the midst of this, how God had been a God of peace uh, in the midst of this, how God had been a God of joy and hope in the midst of this. Um, but it did it. I mean, it does take this like uh, slowing down in this practice of uh, trying to look beyond the things that consume our most immediate attention. It's good. So the promise is God will be with you, that the God of peace will be with you. But before in the equation is the idea that we're to practice something. Um, let's talk for a minute on practice. Um I don't know. It, many of you, as Kevin just mentioned, have extra time. If you want to kind of go down a wormhole on uh, the Internet. I, I, will, I think I know well, what you're going to yeah. say. We didn't, uh, we we didn't, didn't even plan, plan this. this. But practice? Alan, Alan talking, Iverson. About, talking about <laughs> yeah. practice? Yeah. yeah. It is totally worth a watch. <laughs> so Alan Iverson, uh, Philadelphia 76ers, phenomenal. I think the best uh, NBA player. Pound under for six pound, foot. the best NBA oh, player of all time. Unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> unbelievable. But Alan Iverson in this moment of, uh, I don't know what was going on, begins to uh, get interviewed was asked by a reporter about practice and goes into this long, you talking about practice? Yeah. It was in this high rate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. About the uh, use, uh, just the waste of time that practice is. Just get out there and let's play some games. 
but practice, obviously, most of us, besides Allen Iverson, would believe that there is uh, some So we're saying don't follow. Yeah, don't yeah, follow okay. that example, okay. um, but follow. The example of Christ. Yes, yes, gotcha. exactly. <laughs> um, and what he's calling us to do is to practice. And uh, which obviously implies a certain amount of effort. Uh, one of the things that uh, some people love about practice is that they're acquiring a new skill, that it's something that they enjoy, they're continuing to learn. Other people hear practice and what it automatically makes them think is uh, I'm frustrated because I'm not improving at the rate. Uh, that I would like to improve. Uh, let's just kick around practice for a minute. What does it really look like for us to practice something? Uh, I, so I, I think uh, a couple of things come to mind. Um, one of the first things is there is an appropriate scaling that has to happen with practice. So I've got uh, young boys and they, before this time, uh, played soccer. I'm not sure they loved soccer. Um, but it was a great way to get them active. It was a great way to begin to uh, talk about what does it look like to be a part of a team. Mm-hmm. I've got a, uh, a let's say he was eight when he was playing last fall and then 10-year-olds who were playing last fall. My eight-year-old had one practice a week. My 10-year-old had two practices a week. And that seemed totally appropriate. Uh, if they were to continue on in the sport, and let's say they played at 12 years old and 14 and then into high school, then you begin to practice three times a week mm-hmm. and then four times a week. And yep. then you might get to a place where you're doing double days. And so you're doing morning practices and evening practices. Uh, but there's a scaling, I think, mm-hmm. that is really, really appropriate with that. So my nine-year-old, if I said, um, hey, I'd like you to play soccer, or he said I'd like to play soccer, to throw him into a situation where he's practicing two hours a day every single day, I think is an inappropriate scale for where he is at as an individual, given uh, his desire and love to play soccer. I think the same thing is true with us as Mm -hmm. uh, followers of Christ. We'd um, to imagine ourselves having a 180 shift and saying, uh, now I'm going to practice the presence. And that means I'm going to shoot for 24 hours a day of being in prayer. We would probably all leave uh, really disappointed in our um, ability to actually accomplish that. Now, right. long-term life goal, you're a Brother Lawrence fan and you've read that book and Love he it. actually practiced it. That's fantastic. That's not where I'm at right now. And so to set that as this is what it means to practice the presence is 24 hours in prayer would be inappropriate. Right. It For me, it might be five minutes in prayer a day or five minutes a week <laughs> or whatever that looks like. But there, there has to be a scaling or a building up uh, as you think about practicing that presence. Yeah. So you're talking scaling in time, Yeah. but also scaling in expectation. To- yeah, totally. Because for one of your boys, you're not going to ask for him in those two hours to be doing things that you see professionals do. Absolutely not. On the yeah. TV. Yeah. You're asking him to do some of the most basic things that you know are building blocks that will lead him to yeah. being able to be proficient in something. And the same would go for our relationship with God, that being more aware of the presence of God or being more active in living out that presence means being very specific about each small incremental step it takes to grow. One of the things that I have found in my own life that at times can be frustrating is if you're trying to get into shape or you're trying to um, change eating habits or you're trying to alter some particular habit you have in your life, there there's sometimes a deep frustration with how slow it comes. Yeah. Like I wanted to start working out and be able to lift X amount of weight, but I'm not even close to that. Yeah. And I have to slowly add, or it'll have grave impact on my body. My body won't be able to handle it. Same potentially actually, uh, unhealthy too. Oh, totally. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, it, same with food, whether it's adding more calories or reducing calories, if we do any of those things too quickly, it actually, uh, is responded to by the body negatively. Yeah. I think our soul operates in a very similar, uh, fashion. Now, while saying that, yes, there are moments where God does a divine miracle yes. and there are moments where 
your body can accomplish something you've never trained it for. Sure. But those are uh, exceptions to the rule, not the standard, right? Yeah. So and, this idea- and really not something that we seek. It's something that happens uh, kind of outside of yeah. uh, where we're at. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. Um, so for us, leaning into this idea or this part of the equation that it's going to take time for us to build neurological pathways. It's going to take time for us to begin to practice. And that practice will lead to more efficient practice or to more uh, higher levels of practice yeah. as we go. So as you're thinking about practicing the presence of God, make sure that you're celebrating the incremental victories. Yeah. Make sure that you're reminding yourself that each uh, step moving closer to Christ is actually a really great step. And maybe don't um, get caught up in comparison. Yeah. I think that's one of the things that kills us is me comparing my prayer life to your prayer life or my ability to live out some uh, action to your ability to live yeah. out. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, you said maybe don't uh, lean into comparison. I think I would just say don't. don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll be a little more definitive. Um, I, I mean, and we have talked about this a number of times uh, here on Sunday mornings when we're gathered. Comparison will absolutely destroy your life if if you allow it to. And uh, and we don't need to go down all of the ways that we are a culture of comparison right now. I think many of us are, are very aware of that. Um, but God has uniquely gifted us individually uh, in different ways. Yep. And, um, and so for some person, uh, their practice of the presence might look like a deep um, intercessory prayer mm-hmm. and, and long extended periods of that. And that might come somewhat natural. Certainly they practice it, but that might be a way where their soul feels connected for others. It might be uh, the ability to sit uh, empathetically with somebody uh, for a cup of coffee and actually not just listen to their story, but be a part of their story and uh, and walk alongside somebody in deep, deep community in that way. For others, it might be uh, an ability to look at the scripture and understand the scripture and study the scripture and know the Greek and practice the presence through that idea of study. Mm-hmm. But we're all wired in different ways. And if I look at Russ and say, man, Russ is A, B, and C, and I am nothing until I can be at the same level of Russ's A, B, and C, I will be a very, very disappointed individual because I'm different than you. You're different than me. And we practice that presence and we we feel that presence in different ways. And that's beautiful. And that's wonderful and should be celebrated. Yeah. And we don't have to go far down this road, but uh, what you're describing is what is talked about in the New Testament as uh, the body of Christ all have different parts of the body. What would happen if everyone was a big toe, if everyone totally. was a foot, if yeah. everyone was an ear? Uh, we would not thrive the way we do, but God reveals himself to us in a myriad of ways, and we get to express that, and it's only helpful and healthy for the body of Christ to be fully itself. Absolutely. Yep. So let's get back to the equation. The equation, the God of peace will be with you is the outcome of us practicing something. The something that we're practicing is what we have learned, received, heard, and seen. At least that's what Paul says in Philippians 4, verse 9. Learned, received, heard, and seen. So the big question is, what are the things that we have learned, received, heard, and seen in him? Yeah. Now, there's a lot of ways that you can look at this. And what we're going to take a moment to do is just kind of glance back at the sections of Scripture. What you'll notice in uh, Philippians is that uh, verse 9 is preceded, logically, by eight verses. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Is that how interesting how that works? How the Bible works. So all of uh, chapter 4, the first part up to that sentence, might be what Paul is alluding to. So, for example... I'll pick out one and we can just kind of work our way back. Uh, Right before verse nine, he says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, commendable, excellent, etc. Whatever you're thinking on, think on those things. Think on anything that's worthy of praise. Mm -hmm. Think on anything that's true, etc. So one of the things that will create the God of peace being present with us is what it is worth thinking on. Yeah. Obviously what our mind is captivated by, what our mind worships, what our mind thinks on 
creates an awareness within us. Yeah. We've talked about this before in the community, but also just in general, that uh, at the base of your brain, there's a rectangular activating device. That device basically is making you aware of something, which means when you say, uh, I've always wanted a red pickup truck, you happen to notice that there are a hundred red pickup trucks within Spokane. Before that, you never noticed, but once you made your brain realize that's what you were looking for, it begins to see it everywhere. I think the same thing is true. If you're thinking on whatever is honorable and just and pure and commendable, your brain will naturally draw toward those things, and those yeah. are the things of Christ. Yeah. Anything you'd add to it? Well, I, I, this goes back to what we mentioned earlier. That's the practice of looking beyond uh, our immediate yeah, situation, totally. right? It's uh, it's looking through the stuff that takes um, takes our immediate attention away from us or distracts us right away to try to look for those things that are honorable, those things that are beautiful, those things that are just. And if we continue to do that, then those are the things that we more naturally see around us yeah. and in others. If you go back a few more verses, you get to this idea where uh, Paul says, the Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition or supplication, make your requests known to God. So maybe another way of really experiencing the God of peace or being aware of the presence of God is to be someone who can exist in a non-anxious space. Let's chat about that for a moment. Yeah. It's tough. <laughs> I mean, uh, it's tough without uh, kind of our current situation. Right. Um, but obviously, this is a unique time and uh, in a very specific time where um, the anxiousness is ratcheted up, um, not only in our own individual interactions with people, but uh, if you turn on any news channel or read any news, it's hard not to get sucked into that. Right. And so uh, living beyond that, I, I think for me, again, if, we, if we're talking about that idea of practices, when I notice those things beginning to bubble up is turning back to this idea of prayer and supplication. And, and the scripture even says, and Thanksgiving, right? Or yeah. through Thanksgiving. That's the place to start in a lot of ways is, uh, is to say, uh, before I start asking for things from God and saying, uh, change my situation or, or help me to make it through this next month, which God wants to hear those things. Certainly for me, the practice of saying, before I go there, let me recognize the ways that I can be thankful right now. And, uh, and for us, uh, just me personally right now, I am healthy. Uh, I'm, I am not sick. And frankly, I don't know anybody that is sick with this. So to first and foremost say, God, this thing is ravaging our world right now. But thank you, thank you, thank you so much for the health and wellness that you have provided me, that you've provided my immediate family. Uh, and then beyond that, sweet time with my kids, the ability to build forts in the middle of the day, which, uh, I've not had since they were born, uh, right. in a lot of ways, except for the weekend. So to, you know, to have some of those little things to say, man, this is such a special and sweet time. Don't, uh, don't allow me to overlook those things. Yeah. Um, so taking the time to be thankful in the midst of this, uh, before, uh, before you begin to ask for things, I think helps to ease that anxiousness in a lot of ways. Yeah. We're going to be talking about that next week. In fact, uh, that gratitude is one of the primary ways that we can experience the presence of God. That if we are consciously aware of the gifts of God, it, James one talks about the idea that every good and perfect gift comes from above from the father of heavenly lights, this idea that Anything that you look at that you value or place um, worth in that has somehow blessed you is a direct gift from God in some way. And uh, that idea of gratitude is uh, significant to this idea of the God of peace being present with you. So as we're looking at the context, those are just a few ideas. But what we want to do is go a little further back. So uh, obviously, if all of what he is communicating from chapter one all the way through chapter four, verse nine is part of what he's speaking to as the things that we've seen and heard and experienced or received from him. Uh, what we want to do is just highlight a few more and then encourage you uh, as an individual or you in small groups to really wrestle with this idea. What is Paul showing us that we could draw from? 
as examples to help us live out this idea of the God of peace being with us. So if we go a little further back into chapter three, um, what he says in verse 13, brothers, I do not consider um, that I have made it on my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of, of God in Christ Jesus. Yeah, uh, I mean, striving and perseverance, uh, it's uh, stick-to-itiveness is maybe another way to say, but um, but Paul, Paul had a singular focus, and that is so clear throughout all of his writing. Um, and that, again, kind of goes back to that idea of abiding when you have like this connection, this singular connection, and that is your very lifeblood. This is, for Paul, the, the way that he says, uh, I've got blinders on, and I have one thing that I am doing. Um, that, that is the call for all of us in a lot of ways is, um, maybe you are doing a myriad of things, right? You, you have to uh, spin a lot of different plates. However, you are all doing it in and through the very essence and being of Jesus Christ. And so how you show up to work, how you are with your family, uh, what you're like when you're tired, what you're like when you're frustrated, it's that pressing on towards the goal of being like Christ and uh, embodying the things through scripture that we learn that he was like. Uh, And that's really that striving or uh, that perseverance that it takes. Right. Um, which also leads into this idea we were talking about, about practice. Yeah. That, that yeah. practice is hard. And that's why he's saying the straining forward to what lies ahead. Uh, he's describing it as uh, stressful, difficult, hard, challenging. And I think that's what practice often is. And we want to enjoy the practice, but we also have to know uh, that that practice takes work. Yeah. Um, well, it takes work. And I, and I think it takes showing up too. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, uh, so oftentimes when you think about practice in the sports, uh, idea, you leave wherever you're at and you show up to a field or a mm-hmm. gymnasium or whatever, and that's where you practice. Um, I mean, if, if 90% of uh, life is showing up, I think that's actually somewhat true with practice too, that, um, whether you feel it or not, whether right. you're tired or not, whether you're, uh, maybe not even enjoying the sport necessarily, you still show up and you still put in the time and you still put in the effort. Mm -hmm. And that's, um, again, that's what Paul is talking about in this idea of perseverance that uh, I have a singular track and I'm going to continue to show up every single day. And maybe this is a practical stopping point uh, to discuss as a group. What are some practical things that you could actually do that show you're showing up? Yeah. That's adding something, but I would also maybe toss out the idea that um, striving towards something sometimes is saying no to something too. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. So um, many of us might feel this um, urgency to walk into the kitchen and open the refrigerator during this time, and you look in and you go, "Why am I here anyway?" So some of it is just shutting it. I'm bored, and yeah. bored shouldn't require eating. Yeah. Or I'm sad. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's yeah. a host of reasons yeah. why. Uh, everyone is talking about the COVID-19 and 19 not being the year, but the yeah. number of pounds you put on. But this idea that um, there's some things we just have to say no to, and that can be just as challenging for some as things we say yes to. And so maybe a practical conversation around that as a small group. If you can look back further into uh, chapter three or up into chapter two, what are some others that uh, maybe stand out to you? Yeah, I mean, I, there's a number of them, but uh, like chapter, um, do we want to go all the way to chapter yeah, one? Let's do it. Okay. Well, I mean, this idea of humility, have this mind amongst yourselves. This is actually chapter two, mm-hmm. uh, verse five, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who thought uh, he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Again, this this beautiful passage from uh, from Philippians two, but this idea of humility and the practice of humility um, I think is is critically important when you think about having that peace of God. If you don't have humility, I think we become walled off to even seeing God around us, mm-hmm. let alone having uh, the God of peace alongside of us, because we're not even open to it. Right. And so uh, part of the ability to look beyond ourselves, part of the ability to slow down requires uh, a deep sense of humility in our own uh, estimation of ourselves. And that might be the most powerful one in this entire passage, because you think, again, in uh, 
the book of James, uh, there's this idea that says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So the word for opposing there is to stand steadfastly against. So imagine uh, God pushing against you and keeping you at a distance. That's the opposite of this idea of God being close with us or being present with us. Well, what's the thing that's making him push you off, hmm. so to speak, is pride. So if God opposes the proud or pushes him off, but gives grace to the humble, that idea of grace is kind of um, unmerited favor and drawing us in. Uh, so it's a really beautiful word picture of this idea that you want closeness, you want presence, you want to be aware of God. Well, one way to do that is to lean into what Christ did, which is to live in humility and consider others better than yourself. Right after that is a little statement about uh, that, that there's obedience, not only obedience, there's working out our salvation with fear and trembling. Not only that, verse 14, do all things without grumbling or disputing. Um, so there are a number in chapter two of statements that Paul has said that we have learned or received or heard or seen in him, uh, or in Christ that we could begin to, uh, to live into. Um, maybe we'll do one or two more. If you look up in chapter one, there is this idea of, uh, of advancing the gospel, uh, but that again, being not out of selfish ambition, but out of just a genuine desire to see mm -hmm. people know who Jesus is. But one of the verses that I'm always drawn to in Philippians chapter one, um, is in verse nine, where it says, and my prayer is that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. It's this amazing prayer that Paul is praying. And so obviously the people he's writing to have seen it, they've heard it, they've experienced it. But what Paul is praying is not that we would just know God more, but that our love would abound more and more. Yeah. So the the expression of knowing and discerning how I'm supposed to live, knowing and discerning who God is, should result in me loving more and more and more and more. Well, and, and sometimes uh, you practice your way into that too. So uh, Absolutely. rather than um, because I am close to God, I begin to love. Sometimes it's I love and in my loving I actually begin to experience God in a deeper way and I actually am closer to the God of peace. And uh, I mean, this is this is one of those um, maybe, you know, fake it till you feel it kind of situations where um, we every single day have a choice as to how we conduct ourselves and how we are loving those around us. Uh, if you are a human being, you know that you always don't feel loving. Uh, right. You don't wake up first thing in the morning and say, I can't wait to love everybody extravagantly. Sometimes you right. think, I can't wait for everybody to love, <laughs> love me ex yeah, extravagantly. Totally. But again, this is one of those things. You show up for practice and uh, and you begin to quiet your own selfish ambition, your own uh, needs and wants. And you say, how am I going to love somebody today? My kids, my spouse, my coworkers, my neighbors, my friends, how am I going to love them and show love to them? And uh, not surprisingly, God shows up. Yeah. Not surprisingly, uh, that, that depth of connection with God begins to grow and begins to transform us in our practice of that loving. Yeah. What also, um, I'm reminded of is when, when we experience someone else experiencing God, it can do something to us. Oh, yeah. Right. So, um, it's almost like when you see the joy on someone else's face, when they receive a gift or when something uh, good comes to them and they express that you get to pick up on an awareness of God being present. Right. So it, obviously we all know the statement that God is love, not God has love, but God literally is love. Then that means that every experience of love is an experience of God, yeah. which means when you love your wife, your kids, your partner, your spouse, when you love um, your coworker, when you love the person sitting on Zoom across from you, when you show tangible love to anyone, that love they receive is an experience of God. It's yeah. a moment that God touched their life, which then 
is indication that you are in the presence of God, yeah. which is a beautiful thing. Yeah. So part of our very action in loving is a way to experience God and a way to see God in someone else's life, which then it's kind of like a circle. It just yeah. keeps building on itself, right? Well, and this maybe reminds me of your conversation with the uh, downtown uh, Spokane pastors. I mean, what a... Maybe we are actually in the most perfect time right now for uh, the gospel to be advanced if we want to talk about it in that way. Because our our neighbors are, I think, just from my own personal experience, more open to conversation. There's uh, they're 100%. more open to being cared for. There, uh, we are all kind of landlocked, and so I stand in my front yard, and my neighbor stands in his front yard, and we haven't really talked for a couple of months, but now we're talking every day, yep. and uh, and so uh, and now we have more intentionality with connecting with people across uh, state lines and across the country through Zoom and through all these different things, but. I mean, it seems like almost God has slowed all of us down. And in the midst of slowing all of us down, now we as followers of Christ get to love more extravagantly and more intentionally. And that may uh, have to look differently than what it typically looks like um, for obvious reasons, but it still can be very loving. It still can be uh, kind of a transference of the gospel in that way. Yeah. So New community, we would encourage you to um, look through Philippians chapter 1 through 4, 9, and really, as a group or on your own, discuss, figure out what are those things that we've received and seen and heard and experienced that remind us that we can then practice what it means to um, live into the way of God, and in that practice, receive the promise that the God of peace will be present with us. If we want to continue to lean in and experience the presence of God, and as Kevin just mentioned, this is the perfect time to do it. Um, this, this discussion in groups would be really helpful to talk about the practical. How are you doing that in your life? Where have you seen God show up? Uh, and that encouragement alone um, when we hear God moving in other people's lives, encourages us to continue to look forward in ours. We hope uh, that this week is one in which you uh, incredibly experience the presence of yeah. God. And as we go on through this series next week, talking about gratitude and then other uh, values and ways to live out this uh, presence of God in our lives, we hope that you'll continue to be encouraged to to wrestle with it personally and discuss it as groups. Um all for now. Yeah. We love you, new community. Have a great week. New community, go now and love one another because love is from God. Proclaim God's salvation to every generation. Remain in Jesus Christ and like branches of a vine, draw your life from him. And may God, the vine grower, tend you and make you fruitful. May Christ abide in you and give you life. And may the Holy Spirit cast out all fear and fill you with God's love. We go in peace to love and serve the Lord. In the name of Christ, amen.